Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Breaking news. In the last few moments, Buckingham Palace has released an update on the health of King Charles it reveals he has a form of cancer. Let me bring you that statement from Buckingham Palace in full. During the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern was noted. News no one would want, let alone a King who knows it'll instantly be discussed on airwaves right round the world. His Majesty has today commenced a schedule of regular treatments. The Buckingham Palace said that one of the reasons the monarch decided to share his diagnosis was to quote-unquote assist public understanding. Amongst the well-wishers, he even had a Californian visitor. The King was joined by his youngest son, Prince Harry, who flew in from Los Angeles to Heathrow. Inching towards rapprochement. So really, this is the first time he's spoken to his father face-to-face -face, mm. um, for 15, 16 months. He's been uh, very, very strained and uh, fractured mm. away from from the last couple of years. They've got a lot of fences to mend, let's say, and a lot of grounds to cover. What does this news about the King's health mean for not just these family matters, but constitutional ones as well? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, what the King's cancer means for Harry, William and Charles. I'm Roya Nikar and I'm the Royal Editor of the Sunday Times. How long have you been doing this job, Roya? Because to my mind, you've been doing it forever, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how long has it actually been? Uh, I've been covering the Royal Brief for uh, around... Oh, let's see, since the end of 2010. And just out of interest, what got you into that? Well, I used to be an arts correspondent ah. <laughs> on another on another paper. And while I was doing that job, um, the Royal Brief came up. And I have to say, I had no interest in doing it at all. I was very reluctantly persuaded to do it alongside the arts brief mm. um, and promised it had been, it was a very sort of quiet, sleepy brief. Ah. And then as soon as I took it on, a couple of weeks later, William and Kate got engaged and it's been not sleepy ever since. No, and you'd even have thought with a new rain settled in, things might quieten down a bit. But just tell us about, well, it was last Monday when, when 
the announcement finally came out that, that the king had cancer, but there'd there'd been a lot of chatter in media circles before that. I mean, just p- take us through your afternoon that day as the news came out. There was sort of mood music building that there was an announcement going to be coming from Buckingham Palace from sort of the afternoon onwards. The suggestion that the communication secretary was ringing around the editors, which is never a good sign. You know, um, we, we didn't get a huge amount of a heads up. Hmm. We got um, the announcement under embargo a little bit before it was officially announced that the king has cancer. What do we actually know about the, the diagnosis? I mean, we know actually an awful lot compared to what we would have known had it been, you know, a, a previous monarch. We know mm. that he has started treatment. Um, we know that it's not prostate cancer, um, which was obviously what he'd gone into hospital um, to have a procedure on his prostate. We were told by the palace that while he was having that treatment, uh, another area of concern was identified and that's what led to the diagnosis. And we know that although he's going to sort of withdraw from public-facing duties for as long as it takes for him to have his treatment, he you know, constitutionally has been very keen to convey that nothing changes and he's still doing his state affairs, he's still doing his red boxes, he'll still have his weekly audiences with the Prime Minister, but he will come into London probably for a day a week to, to have his treatment. Hmm. Uh, and we did have Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, suggesting that it had been caught early. You know, thankfully, this has been caught early and now everyone will be wishing him that he gets all the figures, the treatment that that he needs and makes a full recovery. Can we rely on that information? No. And Downing Street rode back from that very quickly, actually, later in the day and sort of corrected that, that actually Rishi Sunak had no additional information on the king's condition or diagnosis whatsoever. I see. But what kind of, I mean, you talked about the mood music before the, the, the announcement. How has it been since in terms of steering anybody as to how serious or concerning or not this is? It's huge news. I don't think anyone is trying to sort of play down the impact of the announcement of the monarch having cancer, but Mm. it's been quite successfully played out to reassure the public that, you know, the king is still able to work to ensure the machinery of monarchy continues. You know, what was quite interesting about that statement and the background guidance that came afterwards from questions that we asked was there is absolutely no suggestion that the councillors of state will be needed. So those are members of the royal family, Camilla, William, Anne, Edward, who can step in for the monarch on affairs of state if the monarch isn't able to carry out that work. And I think that's been quite key in trying to reassure people that hopefully not too much will change going forwards. Mm. So we should read into that, that even though at points he might not be well enough because of the illness or the treatment to appear in public and do the kind of busy schedule expected of a monarch these days, it, he'll still have the, the time and the wherewithal to do the paperwork and the hmm. behind the scenes con- constitutional nuts and bolts. Yes. And I think the other thing that has been conveyed and, re- and widely reported is it's not through his expected frailty from the treatment Hmm. that he won't be doing public facing duties. It's more the medical advice that it's one thing to have a private audience with Rishi Sunak. It's another thing to be at the Buckingham Palace and have a reception for 400 people when you're having cancer treatment, just in terms of risks to, to you know viruses and things like that. So that is why he's being advised to radically reduce his sort of public facing engagements. Yes. And do we know how all of that is sitting with him? I mean, you can imagine him being quite frustrated by it. I think exactly that. Uh, you know, people around him who are still seeing him every day are saying, 
to speak to him and sit down with him in a meeting, you wouldn't know anything was wrong with him other than he's a little frustrated that very early into his reign, we are only nine months after a coronation. We are only 17 months into a reign. Um, he's having to radically alter you know, how he goes about things. And do you think that this does mark a shift in how the royal family are going to approach this kind of news? As you say, this might not have been the way it was communicated under mm. under a previous monarch. Mm. Is this wildly different and do you think it's going to stay? It's radically different. I mean, it's a complete game changer from when the late Queen was, you know, ill in her final years. We had these same phrases from the palace, you know, mobility issues, but in good spirits. Buckingham Palace in the past few moments saying she remains in good spirits. I just had a few moments uh, with Her Majesty while we had to wait for uh, Liz Truss to be announced and she seemed in very good spirits. The 95-year-old monarch is said to have returned to Windsor Castle today and remains in good spirits. In good spirits, the phrase we dreaded when we heard it from the palace um, with, with the late Queen because... You know, it usually meant we weren't going to see her for a while. But we were never given given any specifics around her health. But to have so much information from the king in the last few weeks, you know, even when he went into hospital for that, you know, the other treatment on mm. a large prostate, you know, the king made it clear he wanted to be really open about it in order to help other men, you know, get checked. And we saw a 1,000%, more than 1,000% increase of people checking that on on you know, the NHS websites. And again, with, you know, coming out and saying, I've got cancer, uh, there is a feeling, and the King has made it clear, he hopes it will be a sort of act of public service. And interestingly, on that, I, I saw only today on my Instagram, there was, you know, how accounts can sometimes do a joint post. There was one from the Royal Family account, jointly with Macmillan Cancer Support, talking about the advice and guidance that's out there for people. So, yeah, that seems to chime with that point. Mm. Do, we, do we know how this has played out within the family, how the news reached them and, you know, what, what people have said publicly about it. We know that the king personally let his siblings and his sons know. So he spoke personally to Anne, Edward and Andrew, and he spoke personally to William and called Harry in America to tell them. So the, the news landed quite differently, particularly across the pond, to that, you know, terrible scramble when the late queen was ailing in her final day uh, and Harry, you know, didn't find out she died until he landed up in Scotland. The King has been very keen for none of that to be repeated. But the royal family are so good at keeping calm and carrying on. And we've seen that, you know, I thought it was really interesting that on Monday evening, when that announcement was made at around six o'clock, Princess Anne was out on manoeuvres, you know, <laughs> she was out, you know, the workforce of the family, she was out doing probably her 110 billionth engagement of the day, and sh as she has continued to do all week. And the Queen has resumed her public duties. You know, it was extraordinary that the Queen, the week before the diagnosis was revealed, knowing Charles at that point had cancer, but it hadn't been announced, went to a Maggie's Cancer Centre and, and opened it. Yeah. And I think that tells you a lot about how the royal family planned to put their best feet forward and carry on mm. in what are very tricky circumstances for them. And we've had the Prince of Wales return to work as well. Is it our understanding that he's returned to work sooner than he would have done? Because wasn't he going to take some time off to make sure that his wife, who's also got her own health issues at the moment, was doing well at home? Or, or is he going back broadly when he would have been anyway? 
he did clear his diary for several weeks. Um, and last Wednesday was the first time we've seen him out and about doing that investiture at the London Air Ambulance Charity Gala for a few mm. weeks since um, Catherine had her surgery. The Princess of Wales uh, has undergone successful abdominal surgery and won't be resuming public duties until after Easter. It's a, it's a very important charity to him. He's patron. He's a former air ambulance pilot. Mm. But he will now go away uh, and clear his diary again for a little bit for half term, the children's half term, because, you know, Catherine, we are told, is not going to be back in action, public action, until Easter. So um, there will be a balance to strike for William between putting family first and duty in yes. terms of radically different circumstances that we now have with a, a, a king with cancer. Coming up, Prince Harry flies all the way over from California to see his dad for the first time in a long while. Could this be the start of a royal family kiss and makeup? That's just in a moment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We'll talk a bit more about, about the duty side of this a little bit later on, but but we've got to talk about the, the sort of soap opera aspects of this with Harry. He flew to London to see his father for only 30 minutes. What did you make of, of that? I personally think it would have been very odd if Harry hadn't come. And I feel Harry would have been damned if he did and damned if he didn't. If he thought flying in to meet his father was going to be great for his royal reputation and profile, it's somewhat backfired with the king giving him just 30 minutes. It's absolutely ridiculous. Why didn't he just, instead of rushing over like that, go to Sandringham, where he could have maybe stayed overnight mm. at least? 
He's had a lot of criticism saying, oh, it's so theatrical for him to come just for 45 minutes to see his father and fly back. And, uh, you know, the king was left waiting for him and delaying the helicopter. But my goodness me, you know, he's, he's just heard his father's got cancer. Who can blame a son, however estranged from the rest of the family, for wanting to see his father after a cancer diagnosis? Mm. And from what, what I gathered, the king really appreciated the fact that he made that trip and came. Is there a bit of wariness still about Harry? I remember in the sort of fallout of of Harry's autobiography in the Netflix documentary that mm. there was lots of reporting from you and others about them being wary about saying anything in front of him or having telephone calls with him because, you know, who knows where this is going to end up publicly. I mean, is there still that sort of caution around him? Yes, I mean, there definitely is. You know, the feeling is, let's see whether that meeting between father and son remains private. Do you think that this is going to ease the path for Prince Harry to come back more and to rebuild at least his relationship with his father? I think it's too early to, to say now how much more he's going to be coming back. I would imagine that his father having been diagnosed with cancer will probably sharpen his mind a lot more about how much time he plans to spend here. Harry had a good catch up with his father, not with his brother, though. No, and I have to say, I don't think anyone would have expected those two to have seen each other. I think the public want a reconciliation there a lot more than the brothers do. I know people sort of say, well, when something happens in a family and there's an illness or something bad happens, it brings families together. It doesn't always bring families together. I don't think Harry will have had in his mind that coming over to see the king was going to mean as some sort of part of the door opening at Adelaide Cottage in Windsor. That relationship is very severely damaged. Is this difficult for a new monarch not to be, as the late Queen would say, seen to be believed, to sort of lose the the public aspect Mm. of the role? I think it would be really frustrating for him. I know we saw the Queen at work during COVID, during the lockdown. We we saw her on lots of uh, Zoom calls, the equivalent Mm. of royal Zoom calls. So she didn't disappear completely. Good morning. I'm very glad to have been able to join you. Can you see everybody? You should have six people on your screen. Yes, well, I can see four anyway. Okay, very well. Actually, you don't need me. You know what I look like. Um. (laughs) But she had been on the throne for almost 70 years at that point. She was so well established. She was so, her, her reign was so authoritative. And I think it's very, it'll be very frustrating for Charles that, just, you know, he was just getting going with everything and just trying, you know, just starting to shape what his reign was going to look like and then to sort of be, you know, stopped in his tracks, publicly at least. Yes, it will be challenging for him, for sure. And you think it will actually set back any kind of progress he'll want to make in terms of defining his reign, losing the public side? No one knows how he's going to respond to treatment or how soon he'll be able to come back to, you know... full duties. We know he's wholly positive about it, but he, you know, he'll have to wait and see. You know, the mood music is still upbeat. And if he's able to resume public duties at some point later this year, which I, I know will be his hope, then hopefully, you know, the progress he wants to make isn't stalled for too long. Because there are some quite key dates in the calendar this year for him in terms of big state visits, big Commonwealth meetings. Just explain what's happening there, what could be pushed back, what he'll probably be hoping doesn't need to be pushed back. Well, there are things that can't be pushed back, like the Commonwealth Day service annually at Westminster Abbey, which always takes place in March. He won't be at that. We're likely to see William and Camilla lead the royal family um, for that. You know, 
Is he going to be well enough to ride a horse at Trooping the Colour in June? We just don't know. The, the, the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in Samoa in the autumn, huge trip that was scheduled for Charles and Camilla to attend that and was widely, it's been widely reported, particularly in Australia, that he was due to have visited Australia. Is he going to be able to do that? We, we don't, not even the king will know that at this point. We have to see how he responds to his treatment. So there's so much up in the air. And has he commented on this in any way? No, he hasn't. All, the, all we've had from the king is that, you know, he hopes to return to full duties as soon as possible. So if we look at the at the subs bench then, Roya, it is actually quite a slim down, to use the words that, that people were talking about sort of 10 years or so ago, subs bench. There aren't that many of them to take up the slack, really. There are the Queen, the Princess Royal, Anne, the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, Sophie and Edward, William. Catherine we're not going to see again until after Easter, but we hope, you know, she'll resume full public duties. Then you have the Gloucesters, the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester. So it is slimmed down, but it's probably, I'm not sure that, that, that there is a huge public appetite to have many, many more working royals out and mm. about than we have, actually. Mm. My feeling is that's probably enough. But there is something that only the monarch can do, isn't there, in this instance? It's all very well yes. sending someone in your stead, but the, the monarch's convening power, to mm. the ability to attract a certain type of guest to a summit or something that he's going to host or be at, will lose that. Of course. But, you know, in his air, he's got someone who is a great stand-in. Mm. Um, you know, William has pretty significant convening power of his own. If you look at things like you know, his environmental prize, the Earthshot Prize, which is global yeah. now. We, you know, we go abroad with him every year now. We've just been to Singapore with him. He has been to the COP summits with his father. You know, he's at that point now where he's very alive to developing his role as an international statesman. And he he has a certain amount of pulling power with global leaders too. You know, we saw that in Boston a couple of years ago when the Earthshot Prize was there and Joe Biden moved his schedule around to meet with William. So... Mm. I think we should not be too worried about the monarchy, the institution losing that soft power with the king out of action publicly. It will frustrate Charles because he likes to do those things himself, but he knows he's got a very good sub on the bench who can fill in for him. Yes. When the late Queen was alive, and this isn't a direct parallel I'm drawing, but there was there was a period of time whereby which slowly more things that she did as she mm. became more uh, old passed on to her son and and he took on, on more of a role. Obviously, to, to a completely different extent, there will be a similar thing which will happen over time from Charles to his heir, as you were saying. But yeah. with the king unwell, with some of the other people who would support him around him in their 70s, do you think this will accelerate the rate at which William takes on more, does more? That is a decision for William. And I think it's something he will be thinking about a lot over the next couple of weeks while he's away on half, half term with his family. Because there was a criticism that he was, he was trying to do more family stuff and actually trying to yeah. not work as much. But we are in radically changed circumstances now. And I think he will need to make some big decisions about how much he is prepared to do. Hmm. And what kind of decisions on what? I mean, what sort of practically would that entail him in deciding to do or not? I think it would entail, you know, more of the the nation craft 
more public engagements. I think the king is a great one for getting out and pressing the flesh. So, you know, William will have to decide whether or not he feels he's able to pick up, you know, the reins a little bit and do a few more in- public engagements. Yes. Is this ever a matter for government or mandarins? Or is this just a family matter and decision, do you think? It's both, really, because if you think about it, you know, William's current, although outgoing soon, private secretary is Jean-Christophe Gray, who is the ultimate Whitehall Mandarin and is going back to government actually soon. He came from government, he goes back to government. And those are discussions, you know, that he will be having with his private secretary as well as his family. And, you know, that the golden triangle of the king's private secretary, the cabinet secretary, the prime minister's principal private secretary discuss these things all the time. So... It's both. But I ultimately, in terms of Prince William's workload, ultimately that comes down to a design and decision from himself. Mm. You've already said that, that Buckingham Palace was, you know, warning you off the idea that councillors of state might be needed. Mm. Um, but are, are there solid plans in place for that kind of thing? Tried and tested methods, even, mm. you know, going as far as having to maybe bring in a regent or something. I mean, are, are those plans there if needed? That's not going to happen in, in, in this situation. Mm. Councils of state, yes, absolutely. And, you know, just think back to the state opening of parliament a couple of years ago when the late queen was, um, you know, her mobility issues meant she couldn't attend state opening. You had those very interesting, visually interesting scenes of Charles reading out the then queen's speech, her crown placed on a chair next to him and mm. William attending with with. Charles in his role as a councillor of state. Both of them, as councillors of state at that point, were stepping in for the monarch. And in the same way that we had that then, if Charles was unable to do state opening of parliament, William could step in with another councillor of state, whether that's Anne or the Queen. Um, So there are absolutely procedures in place that have been tried and tested. You know, the palace are absolutely insistent that will not be required anytime soon. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Luke Jones, and my guest, Roya Nikar, Royal Editor at The Sunday Times. The producer today was Olivia Case, the executive producers were Kate Ford and Fiona Leach, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you've enjoyed this episode, then why wouldn't you? Do check out our previous pods on the royals, such as Harry and Meghan, What the Courtiers Saw, Prince Harry, Going Spare, and also a fantastic episode with now former Royal Correspondent for the Times, Valentine Lowe, on his long career following these people around. Leave us a review if you can, a nice one. Stories of our times at thetimes.co.uk is how you can email us. Goodbye. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.